You are listening to the Heath Fluids Podcast, and we're having candid and actionable conversations about your health, relationships, business, and ministry. And now here's your host, the Second Chance Coachman, Michael David Huey. Welcome to another session of the Heath Fluids Podcast. Uh, it's kind of a cloudy day here in Central Florida, and uh, it, it's I got to play golf. Today's Wednesday. And I get to play golf with one of my 86-year-old clients. Um, His name is Ed Schmidt. He had cancer uh, a little over two years ago. uh, And through nutrition and and a little bit of, uh, let me just say, a radical change in his life, um, he was able to overcome cancer. And at 86, he shoots uh, around 80 in golf. So he beats his age. And uh, uh, anybody that can shoot under their age at 86, God bless them. Most guys are trying to break 100, even at 46 and 36, right? Here he is shooting a couple of weeks ago. He shot 77. But I want to say thanks to uh, Clubhouse. I want to say thanks for being able to meet people like, like my guest today, Joseph. I think when you, when you pray for God to surround you with the right people and, and you randomly go into a room and you hear somebody speak and you know that you want to get to know that person. And then Joe wrote me an email today that was just absolutely fantastic. I, I, you know, I always say this, laughter is great medicine, okay? Laughter, uh, I can just imagine, I, I, I posted this post uh, a couple of weeks ago of a statue of Jesus kind of just putting his hand on his head like this, right? Like, and I'm sure he laughs at me a lot. Like, what are you doing, right? Like, and I know Joe's laughing. So we we understand that 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 you know God has a sense of humor, right? And um, I think when you find people that you really want to have a connection with, I, I I said this before we prayed, before we jumped on. I said to Joe, I said, you know what? God said he'd leave the 99 to save that one. And I hope that our time together today reaches many people. And even not just when this goes live, but when we use pieces of it in our platform and when we use pieces of it on in some of our group stuff and some of our emails where Joe will, I believe, constantly be pouring into the kingdom and people in my community. And I said that. I told him I'm very protective now. Um you know the old song, uh, "Once bitten, twice shy." Right? Uh, you 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 have to be. You have to. God gives us discernment, and the reason that we lack wisdom and discernment is because we don't ask for it. But the different piece about that is, is that the difference between that wisdom and that knowledge that we learn is the action that we take after we've learned those things. And so when I hear Joe speak and I, I read read what he does and who he is, and it's really funny. My wife said, you're emailing Joe Sugg on your, on your podcast? And I was like, yeah, how do you know him? She's like, I hear him on Clubhouse, right? And, and she's like, yeah. And then she started telling me all this stuff. And so when I was reading his email today, I was like, I'm going to have to show my wife this to probably see a different side of Joe because a lot of stuff she said was, was com- comparison. So, um, Joe, I appreciate you, brother. I'm excited to get to hear you because Joe had these different comical things in his bio. And he's like, which one do I share with you? How do you want, what do you want me to say? And so I told him, we're going to pray and we're going to let God lead us because we're going to make a massive impact in some people's lives today. I know he's going to make a massive impact in my life. So welcome to the Heat Fluence podcast, my new friend, Joe. So Joe, welcome, brother. Thanks so much. I appreciate you, my friend. 
uh, you know, I, I am, I'm excited to be here. I, as I told you before we came on, I, I feel a little bit uh, like a fish out of water. I, I feel like you're reeling me in and, and you're setting me up for something here. And, and you know what? I think that you're, you're probably setting us all up. You're setting uh, all the listeners up. You're setting me up. And, uh, and I think God's probably in his hand. He's got his hands in it somewhere. And I'm excited to find out where it goes. I, I think what's super important is, is you know, when you bring up the word fishing, I mean, Jesus told us to go be fishers of men, right? And um, I, I want to reel in the right fish. I want to reel in the right fish, Joe. I want to reel in the big fish. You know, uh, one of my friends created a musical on that very topic, and he said, we need to reel, reel, reel in the right fish and the big fish, right? The right fish and the big fish, because we want to make a massive impact in the kingdom. And so when I see what Joe's done, uh, I mean, just listen to this, you guys. I mean, when you listen to like just a little bit of what Joe has done, um, you know, he's the president and CEO of the middle class millionaire LLC. Um, he's often referred to as the kingdom economy coach. I love that because uh, here's what I really love what he said. And we're going to dive into this in a little bit. Uh Joe said through Joe's unique perspective as a former vocational pastor, a former net high net worth financial advisor, and an active investment portfolio manager, he edu- listen to this, he educates and empowers God's people to steward kingdom resources with a Bible and a calculator. And there's a, there's another statement up a little higher that I'm not going to mention right now, but we're going to dive into some of those things that Joe God led him to 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 do. But what I want you to first get to know is Joe. I want to know, want people to know who Joe truly is. Like, where did he come from? Like, where do you live? Like, you know, I noticed that he's got a wife and a couple kids. Um, and um, yeah, Joe, tell us about who Joe is. Well, you know, I could go old school, uh, like uh, old school church and uh, say, you know, here's my testimony. It all started when I was three months old. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you've been in those those type of uh, testimony services. Uh, but, but the reality is that, you know, I, I don't necessarily come from a background similar to where I'm at now. Um, I, I really come from a background where my dad was in television. But even when I was born, um, my, my parents both were high school drivers dropouts. Um, and, and so they literally had to kind of figure it out as they went. My dad's dad died when he was 13. Um, you know, the, <laughs> a long story there of all kinds of things we can talk about some other time. He was connected with the CBN uh, when, when CBN was nothing. Pat Robertson actually, uh, you know, preached my grandfather's uh, funeral and, uh, you know, wow. just all these things that were there in the Virginia beach area. But, you know, what it meant is that throughout my life growing up, I grew up with a, a perspective that was very different than what I have now is probably pretty consistent with what a lot of the people that I am now working with have, um, in that, you know, you, you kind of have all of these things that are taught to you, you go to school, you, you, uh, save up your money, you, you save in retirement funds, you, you try and pay off your house as fast as possible, uh, all those types of things. And, you know, then I really have always grown up. We, my parents planted a lot of churches growing up. And so, you know, when we, we went out there and planted a lot of these churches, it created inside of me, even though I wasn't really pursuing God, what I would consider pursuing God today. Uh, I was in the church. I, I was around the church. Uh, I was 
grew up in church, uh, not necessarily with a relationship, but grew up in church. And, you know, when you do that, all of a sudden I graduated high school at 16 years old. I started a year early and skipped a grade. And when I graduated, I, I, I started to, to go off to, to college. I was going to study law and, you know, go into broadcast law. That was kind of the, that was my plan. And, uh, <laughs> as I got in there, I realized, you know what? I feel like I'm called to ministry. Now, now my friend, Michael, I, I'm telling you, you know, I didn't know what that meant. I, I knew nothing about what that meant. And, you know, I didn't have pastors as parents or anything else. I wasn't a PK. Um, in fact, I, I tell people a lot of times that, you know, I was always jealous because you had the, the, you had the PKs, the, the pastor's kids, and then you had the, the military brats, <laughs> you know, you, you had the, uh, the, the military kids. And I always wanted to kind of have my own acronym. And somebody pointed out one time that because my dad was in broadcasting, I guess that makes me a real SOB, a son of a broadcaster. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you could say, say the other one for my dad, but I, I'm, just I'm, just I'm, just I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Uh, you know, you just kind of, you roll with it. And, you know, when, when I look at, at the journey, I ended up uh, going to, to do a different Bible college that was more in line with where I had grown up trying to figure out what that looks like. I, I went into full-time ministry and I got to be honest, it, that part of my journey, I really thought that was where I was going to learn, or that's where I was learning what the Bible said. Uh, that's that's what I was learning, what biblical finance was. That's where I learned what uh, all these things were. And the truth is, uh, that's where I learned that, unfortunately, we have a lot of broken people that are teaching broken theology to broken people, and it's perpetuating a broken economy. Yes. And, you know, when you sit there and you start looking at what uh, what is is happening inside of God's kingdom right now. And just, you know, to, to bring some clarity for kingdom for me, uh, to me, your kingdom, I'm kingdom. Uh, we are in kingdom. And, and so, you know, it's a lot of times when people hear that we're building kingdom, they convey or they, they perceive and perception is reality. They perceive that that means that we are building a ministry or an organization. Always. And, always. and that that's not kingdom. No, I don't see that anywhere in scripture. We are kingdom. I like that you said that we are. And and so, you know, when we look at it, I I just, over the years, I have firmly uh, found and and believe just looking at scripture and and looking at at Bible, you know, a lot of times I have conversations with pastors and and they end up typically with me giving this statement, but Bible, (laughs) but Bible. And, uh, you know, it, it, it may preach, it may sound great, but Bible, you know, what does Bible say? Uh, in context, uh, content without context creates confusion. We've heard that. We know that. And, and so when we look at the idea of where we're going, I was in ministry and I was making $18,000 a year living in the back of a church in a little efficiency apartment. Uh, and, you know, I was uh, I was there as a associate pastor. I, I was a college a college ministry pastor with Chi Alpha at the time as well. Um, did did a lot of ministry work, but I was broke as a joke, Michael. I mean, I was living in one of the most expensive areas in the, the country, uh, making nothing and going, God, how are you going to provide? You've given me this vision. You've given me this, this ministry idea. You've given me this passion. You've given me this heart for you and for your purposes. You know, how am I going to finance that? And I, I see that a lot these days that people are going, God's given me this dream but I don't have the resources. So, you know, I, um, I got into a position where I was, <laughs> I had gotten a, a, my budget for the year 
And I don't know if you can ever relate to this, Michael. I, I got my budget for the year and my budget was a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars for the entire year. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. The, the pastor came back to me the next day. Who's a friend of mine to this day. Uh, but he came back to me the next day. He says, Hey, uh, I hate to tell you this, but I made a mistake in my budget and I've had to cut your line item. So I went from a thousand dollars to nothing, zero zilch, nada. And when you get in that position, you're going, God, what is going on here? Maybe it, maybe I just don't hear you real well. I don't. How old feel, were you then, Joe? I was 20. What would that have been? 20. It was 2000 was the year. Um, and so I was 22 probably, years ago. Yeah, I was 25. Okay. 25 ish, 24, 25, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, so I was born uh, December 75. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when you look at, at the, the journey, um, I, I had had an opportunity to go and work at a much larger church. That was what I was used to. I was there basically because I felt like I, I felt a connection. You, you, you were talking about this, that it's a really important to have that connection with people when you're collaborating, when you're uh, growing, when you're going to that next level, especially when you're talking about kingdom. You want to make sure that you're doing that with the right people. Uh, you're on that journey. So, you know, for me, I felt the connection, but the, the resources weren't there. And, and Michael, here's what happened. I was on my way to this, this uh, interview, which was pretty much a slam dunk. The, the pastor already knew me. Uh, he was calling me, telling me, come over here. It, it was a slam dunk. I didn't feel released, but I said, God, I must not know what you have in store. I must not understand or can't hear your voice. And maybe you're open in one door. You mentioned doors and a dream you had when, before we came on, uh, on the, the episode here. And, you know, when you start talking about doors, you realize that sometimes the doors that are opened aren't necessarily the ones that you're supposed to go through uh, as you kind of over time. Now, when I was early in my my walk, I felt like, well, that door is open. This door is closed. That must mean that's the one I'm supposed to go through. Not always. And, and so what happens is you, you get into this place where you're like, OK, I, maybe I'm just not hearing real well. And I went on the, the journey, started going down the road. And I got to be honest, Michael, I don't know if you ever get like this. You're probably more holy than I am. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, I get into this little rant session and, uh, you know, I, I start going, God, you told me I was supposed to do this and then it didn't work out. And what in the world is going on? How about, you know, how about after losing a half a million dollars? Well, I, bringing, I, I, a, bringing a believer into my business. Yeah. I was like, really, God? And then, then he taught me about what, what I learned. But yeah, I get it, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. It. We, we could talk about millions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, you, we could talk about all kinds of stuff in, in the journey over time. But when you look at that, you realize that sometimes we don't always see what's right there in front of us. Mm. And, and so when I was driving, you know, you, uh, you mentioned a, a situation where you were praying and, and God was speaking to you. And, you know, I, while I've never heard an audible voice, this impression that I had was probably stronger than any impression I've ever had in my life. Amen. And I was driving down the road and I felt this sense, this impression that basically just said, I've given you the resources, but it's your job to use them. Mm. And I'm telling you, it was like a download, Michael. It was like just sitting there, just this unbelievable drop of all kinds of information. Now, I grew up in television. My dad was in television. He eventually did really well in the television arena. He was running multiple television stations. 
high school dropout, you know, no college degree, My nothing. Dad too. Worked his yeah, worked his way up, worked his way through the process. And so it's always difficult for me when I hear people go, well, I don't have the advantages of so and so. I don't have the advantages of whatever. <sighs> and you know, the reality <laughs> is that a lot of times it is just about getting after it and not focusing on what we don't have, but focus on what we do have and Amen. make that happen. And that's really what I found in the resource thing. Instantly, this download happened. And Michael, do you know what happened in the next six months? Um, not only was my budget bigger than zero, it was actually bigger than the rest of the church. Praise God. It was bigger than the rest of the church. Why? Because God dropped all of these things into my mind of ways that I can create marketing opportunities, ways that I could get other sponsors to come in, ways that I could get people to uh, to give, ways that I could get people to partner with me in this process. And, you know, it, you know, honestly, it wasn't a significant amount of money compared to what I understand now, but at the time it was amazing. You know, it was phenomenal. Especially when you're 20 some years old too, right? Yeah. You're, you're sitting there going, man, <laughs> what in the world? Now, you know, in, in all, uh, in all honesty, it wasn't that much compared to what I was making. You see at 20 something years old, um, I had already been in television sales. Uh, I actually left television sales to go into full-time ministry. Uh, and so I sold everything that I had. And when I went to the $18,000 a year job, I actually was making about 60 K living in my parents' house with no, no experience expenses at all. Um, and, you know, doing all kinds of stuff. And I just, I said, you know what, God, if that's what you want me to do, I sell it all, I, I move on. And so I've done that twice in my life where I've sold everything and moved on because it's not about the money for me. Um, it, it truly is about the purpose. Amen. And, and so, you know, when I left full-time ministry, uh, my, my pastor at that same church, um, he, he called me on the way home from uh, a vacation. I was on my way home from a vacation. It was Sunday, Sunday morning. And um, he called me and said, said, Hey, uh, just wanted to give you, let, let you know that, man, it finally happened. Now he was, he was uh, resigning about every other week uh, in, in our meetings. You know, he, he was ready. To I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Well, he, he called me up. He says, uh, I finally got the release when I was preaching this morning. And so I just stopped my message right in the middle of the message. And I, I resigned. Okay. Well, church bylaws said when he resigned, I resigned. <laughs> <laughs> and so instantly I had, uh, I had no job and <laughs> thanks pastor. <laughs> appreciate your ministry. <laughs> and so you sit there and go, man, God, what are you doing here? And, you know, I, uh, I had some opportunities to go back into ministry, but I felt like God told me that my ministry was bigger uh, than the four walls that I was in. Amen. I, I couldn't do the things that I needed to do inside of the four walls. And, you know, I, I really, my, my passion, my heart started as simple as going, you know what, what happens if a pastor didn't have to focus on a position to be able to fulfill their purpose? You see, what I saw a lot of times in ministry was that people were so focused on a position. A lot of times they weren't focused on a call. They were working their way through a hierarchy, like a corporate structure to try and get to a pastoral position that would pay them uh, the right amount, regardless of what they felt called to. And so, you know, they, they were like, well, I'm in the game now. I, I'm in, I'm, I'm a children's pastor and I'm really called to music, but at least I, I'm in the game. Well, I just, I couldn't. I couldn't reconcile that with Bible. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't reconcile that with Truth. what I read in Scripture. And so, you know, I said, well, what happens if I, I get this, 
if I could help people understand real estate, what happens if I could help them understand how to do investments? Now, I got to be honest, I didn't know anything about what I was talking about at that moment. Um, you know, I, I had no idea what I was really getting into. And uh, so I left left ministry and that took me on a, a road down, down to really understand understand money, understand how it works, how it doesn't work. Uh, and, you know, God put me through a, a series of, we're just going to call it an adventure. You ever heard life is an adventure, Michael? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life's an adventure. It's full of ups and downs. It's full of challenges and, and, uh, and positive opportunities. Uh, but the reality is it's also full of, of obstacles that we've got to continue moving forward with. And so for me, that was, I had a, a, a really strong run where I would, I basically learned one thing, went to the next thing and God, God helped me to learn some things and get in position fast until, you know, within, I left full-time ministry in 2001. By 2007, uh, I was helping high net worth financial uh, you know, I was a high net worth financial advisor helping people that had hundreds of millions of dollars. My, my largest client uh, ended up with about $750 million in assets. Wow. And, uh, and so, you know, that that's quite the load to be able to, and the opportunity to be able to provide effectively financial opinion and, and advising to somebody that has done really well for themselves in their industry. But God had just given some opportunities for me to learn strategy and and, under, and kind of see how things worked. And I was plugging away and I, uh, I went back in and probably by about 2000, late 2008, early 2009, probably late 2008, um, I felt like God said, it's time to, uh, to shift and really uh, go in and go full bore to, to financing the kingdom. And I had this really complex strategy that, uh, that it was awesome. It was, it was really, really a unique strategy. And unfortunately, that's when the world fell apart in the financial crisis. I, I know that uh, you, you're old enough to remember that the financial crisis then. And you know, by the end of 2009, I had gone from advising on hundreds of millions of dollars and, and getting out there and trying to, to take care of things. I had the opportunity. I had a 60-person suite at the Cowboys Stadium. I had, uh, you know, I had a 5,000-square-foot office. I had, you know, lots uh, from a, a worldly perspective, there were lots of really positive things that were happening. And within a couple of weeks, it, it went away. Um, it, it was it was absolutely crazy how fast it, it melted away. And when you get to that place, Michael, you realize, man, I got to go back and ask God what <laughs> what gives. Yeah. What happened? I understand and, that. And you, you sit there and you go back and you start digging through scriptures and you realize, okay, first of all, we've been taught that as Christians, somehow, some way, we're not supposed to go through stuff. <laughs> right? Whoever told but, us that, right? No trials, but, no tribulations, right? Be of good but, cheer. But Bible. That's it. <laughs> But the word of God, that's it. <laughs> and and you look at it over and over again, you realize, oh, wait, everybody went through something. <laughs> I mean, it, it's absolutely crazy how many people went through something on their journey towards purpose. And everybody had, it was different. They, they had different challenges, different obstacles. It's not like there was a one size fits all, but I realized, okay, wait, what else have I been taught wrong? And 
I went back and started going through scripture, Genesis to Revelation, then going through scripture in chronological order, and then just going through it over and over and over again, getting an audio uh, audio Bible, which I love audio Bible. Uh, when you, you get an audio Bible and you dig in and you you pump it up to about a one and a half times speed mm-hmm. and, and you just start going through and you don't don't stop and question. You just listen to the, the process of what Soak happened in. in scripture. And all of a sudden you realize, wait, the story's different than what I thought it was mm. because we've grown up in a soundbite society. And unfortunately, many, many in the church have adopted a soundbite theology. Mm. And so what happens is we take little snippets, we grab this verse, we grab that verse, we pack them together and we try and tell a story that sounds good. That story will preach. We start telling, we, we, we go and we say, you know what? I've got a I feel like that God has laid this message on my heart. Now let me go to scripture and justify it with verses. That's good. That's good. That's good. And unfortunately, we don't then correlate that with the context of that scripture. Mm. And so a lot of people in the world say, listen, I don't believe that the Christian, the, being Christian is, is a real thing. I don't believe in your Bible. Your Bible contradicts itself. Listen, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Our interpretation, when we misinterpret this scripture and this scripture over here, and we don't actually keep them in context, now we are misinterpreting. Now oh. we are con- conflicting. Now we are contradicting. And when we do that, that's when we start getting in trouble. That's true. That's true. I think that that's funny that you say that because make, I just lost one of my one of my good friends, Saul Pitchon, who his mother was born in the he was the only son born out of the concentration camp in the Holocaust that his mom was on that his mom was in. And he went on to be he went on his mom out of 750 women was the only woman to birth a child out of that concentration camp in, you know, and uh, in the Holocaust. And she he went on to start the largest uh, prevention abortion organization of prevention for abortions, pregnancy centers around the world um, and told me he just passed away about a month ago. He told me about a year ago that he had saved enough babies to fill Raymond James Stadium here in Tampa to overflowing. Wow. And he said, well, he said that exact same thing, but in a different context about how would you become saved when they're when they literally look at the prophecy that was fulfilled just in the coming of Christ, right? Like they think he was a good man. They think he was a prophet, yada, yada, yada. But their own interpretation deteriorates from the truth that's been written in what they teach and believe. Yeah. Which wow. Jesus addressed over and over again. Exactly. Right. I mean, that, that was his, that was always the thing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that he, they would come to him and they would say, you know, what about this? And what about that? And he would say, you don't understand the word. <laughs> you don't Same, understand yeah. the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, yeah. hundred percent. And and so because you don't understand it, you're interpreting it incorrectly. You, you, I don't know. Have you watched the series, The Chosen, Joe? I've watched about half of it. Yeah. Okay. So there's a part in there and I shared this on one other podcast and you just made it, brought it back to my memory. There's a part in there when I, I get goosebumps every time I think about this, where Jesus was with Nicodemus in the upper room. And he said, you know, all, th- this, this Messiah that he'd been praying for all his life was sitting across the table from, right? He'd been praying for the Messiah. And when he realized that Jesus was the Messiah, 
he said, well, you say that I must be born. I must be born again. I can't go back into my mother's womb. Right. And Jesus said, I am right. And in an instant, Nicodemus realized that the Messiah was sitting in front of him. He said, well, what do I do now? Right. He said, go back and come and meet me tomorrow and go and come and follow. Right. And, and this was the revelation, Joe, that I got from this. And you'll appreciate this because there's a question I want to ask you on top of this now. Um, Jesus expected Nicodemus to be one of the 12, right? When he got to Capernaum that day, all the disciples were talking and he looked and he saw a bag of money and he knew he goes over and here, then they show in the camera, they show Nicodemus around the corner, shaking and crying. And Jesus says, you were almost there. You were almost there, right? Because too much to let go, right? Too much to go back and say, hey, I've met the Messiah. He's here, right? He, he's, he's, he's real. He's alive. We've been praying for him, but he's already here, you know? And then think about how Jesus chooses the least likely. He's, as he's exiting, he now realizes he has 11 disciples and he looks at Matthew and says, come, and Peter says to Jesus, no, uh-uh, not him. No, not him. And 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 Matthew, they 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 figured this out obviously now that he had a form of what was called Asperger's, right? And um and and he would always sit with the kids. We even when Jesus was creating miracles, he was just sitting with the kids, right? And he said, and then and Matthew locked up his money and went around and gave it to his armor bearer and said, tell my mom and dad, I'll be back. He said, you're, the armor bearer said, you're going to go with him? He said, yeah. He said, tell my mom and dad, I'll return. You know, And I think when we realize the truth, and I, I, you said this, and I, I, I want to I dive into this, Joe. I want to talk about um, I want to talk about this. And then I'll, uh, first, I want you to finish this last piece of your story. But you said something that after you do this, I want to, I want you to tell me about how you met your wife and, and your kids and stuff about that. Um, Cause I think that's important. Uh, but I really want to know, you said this and it really, it, it dove into my heart. And I, I, you said your passion is to see God's people understand that they have been designed to steward God's assets rather than using their assets to pursue, pursue kingdom purposes. Um, we can dive into that now if you want, or we can finish. It's up to you, but I just, it really blessed me. It's your show, my friend. All That's right. Well, let's, let's, so tell me, okay, we'll dive into that after that, but tell me about like after that, when you met your wife to get to the point to where you are today. Yeah. So I, I, I met my wife in 2005. So I met her before I, I lost, uh, lost the business. Okay. Uh, in fact, you know, I think that that, that tells you all you need to know about my wife. Um, you know, it, <laughs> me too. Me too. I lost all our retirement. Like, yeah, me too. Yeah. You, you, when you get to that place and, and for those, uh, I, I could tell you some really funny stories about our journey along the way that the, in 2005, the reason I became a, uh, a financial advisor was because of her. And, uh, you know, I was doing basically real estate investments and she came to me and she said, uh, this was a few months before we, we were to get married. And it, I think it kind of hit her all of a sudden, like, oh, wait, where's the money coming from? <laughs> and, and so she, she comes to me and she says, uh, so I know you do real estate. How does that work? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I go out and I find a property and I turn around and I buy it. And then I turn around and I sell it and I make a bunch of money. And she's like, sounds good. When was the last one you did? <laughs> I said last month. She said, uh, yeah, um, that sounds good. How much did you make? And I, I don't remember how much it was. Let's just call it $10,000. 
And I said, $10,000. And she says, awesome. Sounds good. So when's the next one? <laughs> Michael, my response was, well, I don't know. I mean, they just tomorrow, <laughs> whenever it comes, it comes. I mean, I don't know. And she's like, well, where does it come from? I'm like, well, I don't know. I just go out and talk to people and just kind of get in the middle of things. And it, they just, they appear and, you know, just, it kind of works. And she's like, you know, women like a little more stability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not sleeping in our car tomorrow. Right. Uh, yeah. She said, can, yeah. can you find something a little more, more stable, <laughs> more stable? Okay. And so I, I kind of fell backwards into uh, financial advising because of that. But, um, you know, my wife had all kinds of funny stories when we got married. She, um, I, I'm going to make somebody have a heart attack here, but you know, I, especially in kingdom circles, but you know, I, I'm a firm believer in leverage and making sure that we get money working for us and, and all those things. And uh, so one of the things, and she, she was very much, I pay cash for everything. I have a nice secure job. I've got all these things. And, and so uh, when we got married, I said, okay, here's what it is. We got these credit cards and I want you to put everything we can possibly pay on these credit cards. You use these credit cards. And she was like, but we have the cash. And that's why we're going to use the credit cards <laughs> because we have the cash. We're going to pay them off at the end of the month. And she's like, but why? And I said, well, because we're going to get points. And established and, credit. And, and we're yeah, we're, we're going to have the points and all the things. And she says, well, and I mean, I'm telling you, it was this battle. It was this ongoing battle, Michael, to the point to where she would have these dreams at night and she'd wake up in the middle of the night. And she'd be screaming ah, ah, and she'd wake up. And, and I was like, what's going on? She's like, I had a nightmare. I'm like, what was the nightmare? She says, you were in a cul-de-sac and you were in the car and you were driving around backwards as fast as you could in the circles over and over and over again, just circles, circles, circles. And I, I stopped and I yelled out to you, what are you doing? And you said, I'm going backwards in the cul-de-sac, triple points, triple points, triple points. <laughs> that wasn't a nightmare. <laughs> she, she was completely overwhelmed. And, and that continued until one day we were on a trip and we were, uh, we were staying in this really nice hotel overlooking the ocean balcony out there. And, you know, just you know, everything you can imagine. We're sitting there that we go off to the restaurant and we're sitting at this really nice restaurant overlooking the ocean and uh, eating sea food and, and all the, the different things, eating a, a high-end meal. And, and she stops for a second and she goes, where's the money coming from for this? And I said, it's all points. <laughs> and she said, I like points. <laughs> yep. I agree so, with her. You know, it, it kind of comes to this whole thing of a journey. And, uh, you know, our, our kids are now 11 and 13, and we, we've had a, a great run. Um, you know, the, the thing, just kind of finishing up my story real fast, just so that you can uh, go just jump into wherever you want on it. Uh, in 2000, uh, in 2010, um, from 2010 to 2012, basically almost two th early 2013, uh, I, I faced I faced religious persecution like I didn't know existed, Michael. I, I didn't know it existed. Um, honestly, when you're in business, a lot of times you're told, yeah, you know, if you lose your business, you're going to have to file bankruptcy. And yep. did I file I bankruptcy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I filed bankruptcy. Absolutely. You know, when you're when you're committed to, you know, $6 million to uh, Jerry Jones of the Cowboys and you're committed to millions of dollars here and millions of dollars there, you've personally guaranteed 
yeah, you're, you're going, you're going to file bankruptcy. You're out. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, I got to tell you, that's a cakewalk. That's not, that's not the stress uh, deal that, that I had been told that the reality was I had to face three different regulatory agencies. I had to face, uh, all kinds of government officials and what they told me, one specific uh, regulator told me that the reason they were pursuing me uh, as hard as they were is because I was a fraud. And they said, you're a fraud. Uh, and I don't care what else you did. This is going to be death by a thousand cuts. We're just going to keep coming until you have no resources to, uh, to, to fight back. You have no ability to borrow any more money. You have no ability to, to do anything. We're just going to keep coming and make an example of you because you believe in God and you are pushing God in your business and in, in your, your direct, in what you do. And because of that, you're a fraud because there's no such thing as a God. There's no such thing as a God. So anybody who pushes that is a fraud. And so, in fact, they they mocked me in in PR pieces. Uh, they, they said, "What return would God have? Would Jesus have promised?" Uh, all kind. I mean, it was just it was one mocking after another, slandering and everything else. And after it was all over, relieved, moved on. They finally dropped all the charges. Uh, the The IRS finally dropped their last charge when I don't know if you remember uh, the. The whole scandal came out that they were targeting faith-based organizations. Of course. The moment that that came out is when they dropped my case. They, that's all they were doing. And, and so you, you sit there and go, well, Joe, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that as people of faith, we need to understand something very clearly. God's kingdom is about getting in position so that we're not influenced by other kingdoms and cultures that are going to push us away from him. That's good. Now, I'm not here to tell everybody that you have to be wealthy. I'm not here to tell everybody that you should be rich. There's a whole lot of misinterpretations of scripture on both sides of this aisle. Amen. But here's what I will tell you. I see consistently through scripture that it is God's heart that his people are in position to where they can pursue him instead of being in bondage to other areas that are going to pull them away from him. So good. That's my heart and my passion. When you start talking about kingdom, I'll tell you this within one year after, after all that, now people can say, well, you know, I don't have the best credit. I don't have best reputation. I don't have, listen, I filed chapter seven bankruptcy. My reputation had been drugged through the mud, not by just the, the guy next door, but by the government. I mean, try and battle through that one. And I can tell you my net worth was larger within 12 months after all that was done than it was before it started. Hallelujah. Why? Because money principles are money principles. It's good. There aren't kingdom money principles and worldly money principles. Money principles are money principles. And when you start looking at it, you realize... We have been taught financial literacy from people that aren't teaching financial literacy. Truth. We're actually getting it from two places in general. That's good. We're getting it from salespeople who are selling a financial product, or we're getting it from fundraisers. That's good. I love that. Now, I'm not saying those systems are wrong. I'm not saying that they are right. I'm not saying any of that. They may be right. They may be wrong. It's irrelevant. They're not financial literacy. I get it. And when you look at it from a financial literacy standpoint, now we can say, how are we stewarding God's resources? How are we stepping into our purpose? Are we outsourcing our assignment? Mm. Do we believe that there are some people who are called to this quote unquote five-fold position because that ain't scripture. Love you. Mean it. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says that those gifts 
were given to his people. Amen. It doesn't say that that's a position. And unfortunately, we've been taught to outsource God's purpose in our life. And a lot of that is through I don't believe it's in bad motives in most instances. I, I've battled through this, but I do believe it is through ill-perceived interpretations. That's good. That's good. And it's not just this person down the road or that person down the road. We're talking generational. Yeah. We're talking about dozens and dozens and hundreds of years Yeah. when you actually start digging into where this stuff comes from. That's good. And I, I tell you that, Michael, and everybody else, because I want you to know that if you're sitting there and you feel like, man, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to make this happen. I don't know how I'm going to get my, my finances back in place. You and I are both uh, members of the, the John Maxwell leadership uh, team. And you know, John Maxwell says, and he says it in a different context, but I'm going to steal it. He says that whatever you focus on expands. Yeah. Right. Well, what happens is inside of kingdom, we focus on things like debt. We focus on things like giving. We focus on things like, uh, you know, having whatever, you know, making sure that we are making impact. Now, all of those, there's nothing wrong with them necessarily with getting out of debt. But instead of focusing on debt, if we focus on increasing income, getting out of debt's going to happen because debt's a symptom of not having enough income in most instances. Truth. And so if we focus on giving, well, are we just eating the seed that God gave us? Are we giving instead of gathering? Yes. Are we are we giving out of a harvest that hasn't actually gotten to harvest time yet? That's good. Are we putting ourselves in position where we're burying the seed like the one with the one talent? I knew you were a hard taskmaster reaping where you didn't sow. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that we need to, to get back to Bible. And that's why I say Bible and a calculator. You tell me when I deviate. I love that. Bible I love and that. a calculator. You tell me I when love I deviate. That. With well, that said, I can go all kinds of places. No, no, no. Let's 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 steer. do this. Let's take this last five or ten minutes here, um, and 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 talk about what you said there. Let's let's finish with this, and then we'll let people know how they can connect with you. Um, talk about the steward stu- stewarding kingdom assets rather than their assets. How God's people do this, and rather than stewarding, you know, their assets to pursue kingdom purposes. Give me some context uh, as we close about that and how you are teaching people to, to, to do things the right way. Let me ask you something. Have you ever heard that there is God's 10 and your 90? Yes. Where is that biblically? The only thing it says is, is really, it says all is his. It's all his. Yes. It's all his. Yeah. So let's go back to um, the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, I, I love everything about what you're doing. I'm in on this thing. Let's roll. I'm excited. What was Jesus's response? Yeah. His response was, well, why don't you sell everything? Uh, uh, sell everything. Nah, I can't do that. Nope. So there's, this has been interpreted a couple of different ways. One way it's been interpreted is that's why you're not supposed to have any money. In fact, the following verse says that it's easier for a rich man to get into heaven than and for a camel to go to the eye of the eye of a needle. People don't well, understand that. See, so you're not supposed yeah. to have the resources. Okay, I could go along with that, but Bible, there are a whole lot of rich people in the Bible. Yeah, thousand cattle and thousand hill. Yeah. In fact, we've heard Deuteronomy eight eighteen. Yeah. You know, it's it's God that gives us the uh, gives us the the power to to gain wealth. Mm-hmm. We've heard a lot of different verses, a lot of different scriptures. So then, what was the point? <laughs> Let me ask you something. 
And I'm just going to throw out a hypothetical, a question. When I go back to Abraham, God gave Abraham a, he made a covenant. He told him that this is the direction you're going to go. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to make you a a father of many nations. And then he gave him the son. It was a, a real special feeling for that son. He loved that son. It was his only son that was with him and and, uh, Sarah. And after he gave it to him, what did he ask for? He asked him to sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yeah. And he said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And he went to sacrifice. And then the angel of the Lord came and said, stop. That's all we wanted to see. That's it. Let's go back to the rich young ruler. What would have happened if the rich young ruler said, okay, I'll go sell everything. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us in scripture, but I wonder, I wonder if he would have said, okay, if Jesus would have said, stop, that's all I wanted to hear. You're good. That's all I wanted to hear. And I say that because you can look throughout scripture over and over again, that all God wants is for us to focus on him. All he wants is us to be surrendered to him and to say, you got this under control. We could go back to Joseph. We could talk about how he stewarded the resources that that he had when he was in Pharaoh's house and he was fulfilling the the seven years of famine into the seven years of abundance or seven years of abundance into the seven years of famine. And most people have been taught this wrong in church. What did Joseph do during the seven years of famine, Michael? What he was supposed to. Yeah. What did he do? I didn't hear what you said. What, what did, what did Joseph do during the seven years of famine? He served. He, he, did what he was supposed to, became king. Well, Joseph just gathered assets. Yeah, he gathered everything he could. Yeah, exactly. He gathered the assets and he put them in a storehouse. Yes. Stored up it for future reference to give he back to his family. He stored them up for the famine, right? Yeah. Now, what happened when the famine came? What did he do? He blessed his family. Well, his family was was put in position to be blessed, but as far as being in that area and being under the protection, but what did he do with stewardship of the resources? He did what God told him to do with it so that he could use it for the kingdom later and use it for his purpose that what he had been entrusted with. So that's what I had been taught. Um, when you look at scripture in Genesis 41, it talks about how the Pharaoh came and basically said, um, when Joseph said, this is the, the, this is the interpretation, he said, you've got to find somebody wise and discerning. And the Pharaoh came back and said, there's no one else as wise and discerning as you. So I'm going to appoint you as head of everything. The only thing you don't have is the title. So he had the ability to steward how he wanted. And then you fast forward to Genesis 47. And what happened was when you get to Genesis 47, the people are going hungry because the famine's there. And they come and they say, Joseph, we need to buy some grain. So he sells them the grain. Now, I was always taught he gave it to them. Yeah. He sells them the grain. Yeah, Yeah, he sells it to them. I just looked it up. Yep. Then right after that, Genesis 47, 27, 28. Next year, they come back. They say, well, we've given you all our money. So now give us the grain. Just give us some grain so that we we don't have to, to do that. And he said, well, bring your livestock and you can, can uh, sell us your livestock and we'll give you grain for your livestock. They said, okay. The next year they came back. This is in, uh, it's right after that. 48, yep. They come back and they say, Joseph, we've given you all our money. We've given you our livestock. All we have is our property and ourselves. Just take us. We'll come into your into the fold. We'll sell ourselves into slavery and we'll just be your servants. And then you could just provide, provide for us that way. And Joseph's response was, okay, here's what we'll do. We'll pull you in and then I'm going to give you the seed so that you can go out and you can work the land. And then you're going to keep 80% for all of your household, all of your workers, all the people that are there. And then you're going to to pay 20%. 
And they said, okay. And so they created this 20% royalty over everything that was there. At no point was it ever a gift. Now, if you fast forward into Deuteronomy, now everybody wants to talk about Deuteronomy 8.18, but Deuteronomy 7 says he's talking and they're, they're about to go into the Holy Land. They're about to go into their, all their areas. He's sending all the, the 12 tribes into their, their promised land. And he says, I'm not going to instantly give you the land. I'm not going to drive out those that are in there because if I do that, then the beasts of the field may come in. Yep. Now I need you to understand something. You are a holy people, a chosen nation. And he goes in to say, basically, you're not chosen because you're great. You're chosen because I've made a promise to your forefathers. And because I've made the promise, I'm going to fulfill my covenant. And then he goes in and he says, so here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. And if you fast forward to like uh, verse 13, in verse 13, he says, and I'm going to give you my Joe spin on it. You can go and get your own interpretation by reading scripture. Here's what he says. If you go in there and you stay focused on me and you don't take on any of their gods, you don't take on anything that they have, you just stay focused on me, then I am going to bless everything you touch. In fact, he says, I'm going to bless you so you can be fruitful and multiply. And no, that was not just talking about procreation, like so many people want to say. Yep. It was and actually everything. talking about, he goes in and, and he, he goes into to over and over. He says, your lands, your pe- yes, procreation. Your olive oil, your, your new your, wine. Everything. Herds of flocks. Everything you touch is going to be blessed. You're going to have incredible favor. Yep. Incredible favor. And you're going to have so much favor and you're going to expand at such a rate that you're going to become so strong, by the way, just like they did in Egypt, which is why the new king after the Pharaoh died was like scared of them, put them into slavery and bondage. Only he says this time you're going to become so strong, you're going to be able to overtake the kings in those areas and you're going to drive out anything that's not of me. That's good. You see that throughout scripture over and over again that God wants to bless his people to be fruitful and multiply, bless his people to be fruitful and multiply. We've got to learn that as kingdom people, we have to expand because that is the way he created us. Wow. Wow. You gave me a lot. Uh, 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 I'm a, I'm a uh, action taker, Joe. So when somebody like I took one, two, almost three pages of notes, um, I'm a, I don't, I don't take uh, kingdom advancement or kingman moments for granted. I take wisdom and knowledge. I want to learn. I want to grow. I'll go back and listen to this tomorrow when I'm working out. Uh, my wife and I usually like to listen to them on Sundays when we go to church and come back home because we have a 25 minute drive, 30 minute drive to church and from. But uh, I'm so grateful. Like we're going to dive into some, I, you and I are going to probably have to do another one of these here coming up soon. But um, how can people connect with you? Talk about that. Tell me how people can reach you, get to know you better. That yeah, you know, I I was part of my email to to Michael to, was uh, was basically you know what as a high net for a financial advisor you don't need to have all this extra stuff out there. I'm I'm kind of learning it as I go. Um, you know, comically, my social media is growing in spite of me. Uh, but you know, you can. I find told me you. On- I didn't even know. I told him, I told him I didn't even know Clubhouse when I had 18,000 followers. I was in the top 1% of the app. Somebody called me and then three days later, Clubhouse wrote me an email thanking me for being a part. 
and that they were going to send me something when I reached 20,000. I was like, well, you'll have to tell me when that is because I don't pay attention to the numbers <laughs> things, right? And uh, I, my, I, I took my took my Instagram from like 200 to almost 10,000 now just in the last year. So it's, yeah, I get it, brother. I get it. Well, I, I'm I'm on Clubhouse at Joe Sug MCM. I don't have eighteen thousand followers like my friend Michael does. Well, I didn't uh, even know I did, brother. So that's that's a that's a <laughs> I uh it, you crazy. know it's it's really it, it's one of those those things where you know you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on uh, on LinkedIn, um, either at, at Joe Sug or at Joe Sug MCM, depending on. Um, on, you know, who, who already had Joe Sugg. Funny story, Michael and I. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw, I I saw some stuff like some young guru guys, some network guys. Yeah. When everything hit the fan and I told you, my name was just run through the run through the ringer. And, you know, if you would have Googled my name 10 years ago, the the stuff that would have come up would have made you blush. (laughs) And, you know, you look back and my wife literally started praying and she said, God, I, I just, I ask that you would wipe this stuff off the map, that you would bring somebody in that would just, it would wipe it off the map. And this, <laughs> this guy from, uh, this young guy from a uh, heartthrob from Britain, <laughs> from the UK named Joe Sugg came on the, on the deal. He's got like 5 million followers. Yeah. <laughs> Massive net worth of like, you know, millions of dollars. That's so funny. <laughs> And and he came on and just wiped me off the map. And <laughs> thank God, probably right, like oh, brother. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I also if somebody wants to get a hold of me, they can either go to joesug.com or my email is expand at joesug.com. Love so. it. No, I love that. And Joe's Joe Joe's funny. He said uh, my website is up, and and I was like, yeah, good good job, Joe. He's like, yeah, my website's up. I love that at the end. And Joe, I, I just want to say thank you. Uh, I'm excited to get to know you better. I'm just uh, you know. You, you, you take away uh, a lot of, you give away a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge, but uh, you're just a good guy. And uh, sometimes, you know, um, for me, uh, uh, I'm looking for guys that uh, not only have a light that are like-minded, but are heart-minded. I think that's the difference. We, you know, um, and I'll end with this. I know we went over a little bit, but that's okay. My guy can my my re, my editor guy he'll be okay with it too so uh but here's the here's the cool thing you know um I, i've had this real struggle with you know after losing uh, bringing a believer into my business and losing money and you know losing all of our and 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 i struggle with it but then i looked and the lord said well i i tried to warn you right and um you know i had a codependent relationship with another brother in christ who loves god but he's just so narcissistic and and, and you know, I, I've been there. I had to do a self-examination of my own heart. You know, even on even on Clubhouse, you know, there's rooms that guys claim to be believers behind the scenes. They're just wrecking people, right? And people follow them like they're God, right? And I've learned, uh, I've learned that it takes me back to that dream every single time, Joe. It takes me back to um, I was in Cole Hatter's mastermind, and Cole's a a uh, former YWAM guy, and uh, he's in the marketplace. Does real estate, does very, very well. Um, and 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 he said, if you really want to walk with God, you have to constantly do self examinations of your heart to find out who you're surrounding yourself with, who you're following, and how you react to rejection. Right. And I thought about that, and 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 I, I'm I'm a slow learner, 
even though you know I was the first person to get nominated for a PhD in nutrition that didn't even have a master's degree, and I thought that was pretty cool. And I said, if even if I never got at the PhD, just the nomination and just the acknowledgement of the work that I've put in over the years in my industry and and the success that I've had, um, I realized that rejection was just a way of God's protection. And I realized not to try to 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 fix uh, a door that God had already closed. And I didn't try to, uh, you know, uh, like you said, Joe, when someone, when your name's rug rang through the mud and you know that you know who you are and you know your identity, um, we win in the end. It's written, like you said, but the Bible, right? It's, it's I win in the end. And, and uh, so I just wanted to say, say thank you for your heart. Thank you for sharing with me. I'm excited to, as I said, I'm excited to get to know you better. And I say this as we end every podcast love God, love people, but live with passion, vision, and purpose. Passion, vision, and purpose. And um, guys, it's I love this. Joe said this, and I'll, I'll, I'll remember this forever. You know, we're, we're kings in God's kingdom, okay? We're kings in God's kingdoms. God has entrusted us with that ability, right? And Joe said, we are kingdom. We are kingdom. We create that kingdom, right? We, we, we are as hands and feet, right? And so thanks for listening, you guys, for another session of the Heatfluence podcast. I hope that you'll share this out. I hope that you'll connect with Joe. But as I said earlier, love God, love people, live with passion, vision, and purpose. God bless you. Until the next session, have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Heatfluence podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to rate, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And as always, you can follow Michael on all social media platforms at Michael David Huey or www.michaeldavidhuey.com. Until next time, God bless and take care.